Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I wanted to um, offer some thoughts and reflections and uh, perhaps open it up for all of us to explore um, how to process tragedies like the one that happened this week in Oakland where seven people were killed and a number of others wounded when uh, when a man uh, obviously very unstable and uh, not in his right mind um, opened fire on these students from this small university, Oikos University. I, I've never heard of Oikos before. Uh, and if, you, if you've heard of Oikos, uh, Curious, raise your hand before this week. So, at first, kind of, it it, it was um, just striking how there can be this uh, pocket of um, this university uh, supporting all of these young people trying to make a, a better life. Uh, and go through some really good training that I had no idea existed. Thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And that makes me reflect on all the other pockets of learning going on and support for, for all the people who really are wanting so much to... Um, live their dream or fulfill a vision and, and, uh, and get training to contribute to society. Uh, thinking of all the students, all those uh, people attending the school besides the ones that were, were struck down. Um, but then the question that it's almost hard not to have, is why? Or how could this happen? Or what's the point? How, How to hold, how to make sense out of the senseless? How to somehow take in the reality without feeling bewilderment, confusion, anger, fear. You can't actually not have those things. If you, if you didn't have one of those, uh, then um, you know, check out what's going on inside of you but how to hold it and, and hold those feelings without more of a, a sense of contraction and somehow keep the heart open, keep connected to all that is good in people and not just live in fear. Mm. And particularly... Um, I thought it might be useful to just explore touching on what the Buddha and what the Buddhist perspective is on situations when, as the famous book says, when bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. That's a really good book by the way, written by um, Harold Kushner, who wrote it uh, when his, uh, his son, who was 
diagnosed at three with this disease that was only going to take him to his teens uh, after he passed away at 14. So he had, a, he had about 11 years to kind of sort out and make some sense of, or try to make some sense of this. And it's, you know, it's a classic that you know, has sold millions because it's such a universal question befuddling question for anyone who believes in the goodness of humanity or in um, in trust and faith in a higher power whether you think of it as God or the Dharma or the goodness in life just how to come to terms with that and reading I was reading about each of the the victims. Um, so, uh, such heartbreaking stories when when you think about uh, their lives ending. These, by and large, were really good people. You know, as much as can come over in a in a third of a page in the, the chronicle. But, um, so beautiful, some of them. I, I almost felt like getting into uh, and honoring each of them. Um, maybe I'll share a few. Lydia Sim, 21, studying nursing. All she wanted to do, to do was work with children, said her father. Any kid that God would lead her to, that's where she wanted to be. She was a really happy, outgoing person who could brighten up the whole room. Kids love her. When she walked through the door, kids would just run up to her. Sonam Chodin, Tibetan exile, who wanted a career where she could help others who worked in Dharamsala, who, uh, who lived in Dharamsala, was a refugee. She was uh, a Tibetan Buddhist, 33-year-old nursing student, wanted to spend her life helping others. She had so much compassion, said friend Tepo Tulku. Tulku means he's, he's a high guy, spokesman for the Tibetan Association of Northern California. I discussed it with her quite a number of times. She kept saying she wanted to do something, not just to make money, but to help people. And the whole Tibetan community, um, in, and the Dalai Lama was told in, in Dharamsala, uh, was, was praying for her. Mm. And, and on and on. Let's see, Judith Seymour age 53, from her native uh, Guyana. Grace and Hyo Kim at 23, um, a waitress, had an adventurous, lively personality. We're pretty shaken up right now, said an employee who didn't want to be identified. It's hard to talk about. She was full of life. She truly was the life of the party. Very confident, energetic, and ecstatic about everything. Mm. Kathleen Ping, who was uh, 24. It's hard to accept... um, it's hard to accept, said her father. I could accept maybe if she was killed out driving or walking, but she was in the best place, the safest place, a school. She had lots of plans. She was my best friend, said her brother. We were four years apart in age, so we grew up together. As a brother, I can tell you both the positive and the negative, but she was the best. Sharing Rinzing Bhutia, 
who is also a Buddhist, 38, uh, came from uh, Sikkim, a very hard worker. He worked at the airport all night and then he'd go to the nursing school and then he used to sleep in the daytime. He wanted to improve his lot. She became, this is somebody talking, she became friendly enough with him while he was a waiter that she invited him to Thanksgiving and Christmas meals at her home and Bhutia was always a wonderful guest. He was articulate, educated, very much a searcher, very much looking to get on in the world, even if he was not quite sure how to do it. And then uh, Doris Chibuku, a Nigerian immigrant with three children. She was a very happy person, very caring, very loving. Her husband said she liked to spend time with her family Right now, I'm just trying to grieve. For we Nigerians, when something hurts one family, it hurts all of us. Yesterday, everyone was praying it wouldn't be true, but now it is. It's devastating, very devastating. Two months away from graduating. So all of these were immigrants who were trying to improve their lot in life going to nursing school, studying really hard so that they could not only earn a living but uh, to support others. So, how do you explain it? Well, first from uh, a Buddhist perspective, I wanted to say a few things because the question comes up, it came up a few weeks ago when I was uh, talking about some, I forget what I was talking about, but somebody came up later and said, you know, I have a a hard trouble, uh, I have a a hard time with uh, with talking about karma. Um, Oh, I remember, I was, it was the talk I was talking about how um, some uh, Rush Limbaugh and a few others were kind of getting there. Um, uh, the tables turned on them uh, and I, I mentioned a little bit about karma as one of my more political uh, forays um, so forgive me if I offended anyone who's a Rush Limbaugh fan or, um, and this person came and said I don't know, are you here if, uh, if you came up to me afterwards he said, I have, a, I have a hard time about karma because um, I lost my whole family or much of my family in the Holocaust. And so, um, you know, when people talk about karma, uh, I kind of just close down. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I really honored where he was coming from and didn't, wasn't... Uh, having time to get into an elaborate answer and he just wanted, he said, you know, I just want to say that and then, then, he, then he left. But first I want to share a little bit about, from a karmic standpoint, how to understand this. And as I said, I think uh, in that talk um, that the Buddha said, if you try to figure out karma, it's one of the imponderables that drives you crazy. So not to... Uh, I, I, I can't, I can't be, you know, an expert on exactly, <laughs> not even an expert. I can't venture, pretend, to know exactly why anything happens. The, he, the Buddha said, you, "You need, you need to have the mind of a Buddha to understand the workings of karma uh, over, over time." And one thing that does make a difference if your mind can hold this is that this is not the only lifetime. If, you, if your basic um, understanding or perspective is that this is the only time around, then it gets very confusing. Um, but whether or not you believe in it, it is said and you know you might just open up to the possibility that we've we've been doing this not so much we 
but our life stream of our pattern of life that right now is in the configuration called you uh, has been uh, going through a journey, a consciousness journey uh, for a long time. The image is, um, there's two images, two metaphors. Um, or, yeah, metaphors. Where uh, the Buddha says, more than the, than the water in all the, f- the four great oceans are the tears that you've shed, that you've shed in your lifetime. That's a lot of lifetimes. <clears throat> and uh, the, other, the other image is um, higher than, uh, I think it's Mount Meru, is, is the, this big mountain that was spoken about, are the, the bones of all the incarnations that you've had. So that kind of opens things up a little bit that we are going through this many, 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 many times. And it's tricky to say me, James, is reborn James again. But this stream of consciousness has different uh, expressions and configurations. And supposedly before he was uh, enlightened, the Buddha looked, looked back over the 100,000 um, lifetimes that he could see. This is in the night of his enlightenment. Oh, I was here and doing this, and then this one I was doing this. And, and then seeing the, the countless lifetimes of... Um, of of beings all around, and that uh, gave him um, a, an understanding of the bigger picture of the game. But be that as it may, that that makes it a little bit easier to see. Well, gosh, this isn't very fair. But I want to also share with you something about karma and uh, a, a very important, but um, little known, uh, often lesser known teaching around karma. And that is that it's sometimes thought that everything, all, everything that happens to us is based on karma. And this is not what the Buddha said. It's not all based on karma. Not everything that happens to you is because of some act that you've done in some previous lifetime or in this lifetime. And I want to read to you actually first from a couple of discourses and then a little bit on the um, a commentary about karma and the workings of karma. First, this discourse from the Anguttara Nikaya. This is the Buddha speaking. There are three sectarian tenets which, if they are fully examined, investigated, and discussed, will end up, will end in a doctrine of inaction, even if adopted because of tradition. What are these three tenets? There are some ascetics and Brahmins who teach and hold this view. Whatever a person experiences, it experiences, be it pleasure, pain, or a neutral feeling, all that is caused by past action. There are others who teach and hold this view. Whatever a person experiences, all that is caused by God's creation. And there are still other ascetics and Brahmins who teach and hold this view. Whatever a person experiences, 
is uncaused and unconditioned. So, three different views. One, it's all karma. It's all because of past actions. Two, God decreed everything. Or three, it's completely random and there's no cause and effect in play here. And he says, with each of these, now, I approach these ascetics and Brahmins holding these views and say, "Mm, if it is so that it is due to past action done in a former life that people kill, steal, engage in sexual misconduct, etc. They speak falsely, speak harshly, they're malevolent and hold false views. If they do that, if they think that that's all because of past action, they will lack the impulse and effort for doing this or not doing that. So basically he's saying, if you think it's all karma just unfolding and all predetermined, what's the point? Why do anything? And it will lead you to just kind of say, oh well, it's just my karma. Let's see how it unfolds. And he says the same thing with the other two. If it's all because of God, then again, it leads to inaction. What's the point? And you don't engage in your life. And if it's all random, if there's no point in developing and cultivating wholesome states or leading uh, a life of integrity and, uh, and, and skillful action, then you will not do those things. You won't be motivated to. So he says, this is not so good. And I would say, this is not my teaching. None of those. So that's one discourse. And then here's a second discourse. This is from the Samyutta Nikaya, where the Buddha says, "Mm." again, the question, Master Gotama, There are some ascetics and Brahmins who hold such a doctrine and view as this. Whatever a person experiences, whether it be pleasant or painful, or neither pleasant nor painful, all that is caused by what is done in the past. And what do you say about this? And here he has a slightly different answer. Mm. Some feelings, Sivaka, arise here originating from phlegm disorders, some originating from wind disorders, some from an imbalance of, of the three. Oh, there's, oh, the first one was bile disorders. There's a whole paragraph on bile disorders. So he's saying there's bile, phlegm, and wind disorders that just happen in your body. Okay? And then he says, some of these pleasant painful or neither pleasant or painful are produced by change of climate. Some are produced by careless behavior. Some are caused by assault. And some are produced as the result of karma. So this is one of a number of different Sources. Karma is a source of some results happening to us. But along with that are things like just the body doing its own thing, following its own laws. Climate makes you kind of become a little bit more aware. This is not necessarily... Uh, Although climate, we can we can take a little bit of responsibility for that one, um, but in his day, climate just happens. There's natural disasters that can happen. Carelessness, which also means accidents, can happen. K- 
carelessness, but also just all of a sudden something falling down that has nothing to do with you can happen. Assault, he includes that especially relevant to this topic. Assault can happen that has nothing to do with you and also karma according to past actions can have a result. So he's saying, um, if you, uh, what's his, his, uh, his phrase? Oh yeah, if, if one holds such a view and a doctrine as this, that whatever a person experiences, whether it be pleasant, painful, neither pleasant nor painful, all that is caused by what was done in the past, they overshoot what one knows by oneself and they overshoot what is considered to be true in the world. Therefore, I say, this is wrong on the part of those ascetics and Brahmins. So it goes too far to say it's all karma. And then uh, there's a a, a, um, good commentary um, that you can look up on, uh, on the internet uh, written by uh, this really brilliant Buddhist scholar, P.A. Paiuto, P-A-Y-U-T-T-O, on, um, I just uh, printed out this section. I think it's something like good and evil, the question of good and evil. Uh, and he talks in here, clearly explaining that karma is one of five laws of nature in Buddhist uh, commentaries. The other four being natural laws. So, uh, I can, I'll, I'll quickly share with you Utu Niyama, the natural law pertaining to physical objects and changes in the natural environment, such as weather, etc. Bija Niyama, the natural law pertaining to heredity, which is best described in the adage, as the seed, so the fruit. If you plant an apple seed, you don't get an orange. There is a natural uh, law of heredity like that. Chitta Niyama, the natural law pertaining to the workings of the mind, in the process of cognition of sense objects and mental reactions. Kama Niyama, which is the law of good deeds bringing good results, bad deeds bring bad results, cause and effect. And then Dhamma Niyama, the natural law governing the relationship and interdependence of all things. That last one is like the big uh, basket that includes all the others. And he gives the example, like if you say within this population there are, uh, there are teachers and, uh, and uh, techies and house uh, homemakers and other things, and there's all people. And the people is like the, the last one, the Dhamma-niyama, just that it includes all of the others. And again, karma is just one of one of these. So you can't just say, "Oh, it was their karma," or "What did they do wrong to deserve this?" They didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Now something that I think about, and this is, I I hope this, you can understand this, or you can understand where I'm coming from anyway. From, From a human perspective, this is the most important show in town what human beings do. But from a much bigger perspective where human beings are one species of an 
thousands, millions of species, certainly the most important one to other humans and the one that we care about most. But just one species of life, that life is recycling itself all the time. And I sometimes think of, um, say, an, an, uh, an anthill, you know, with thousands of ants who all want to be alive and function, not with the same sentient consciousness uh, degree of intelligence as humans, but those ants, to them, somebody stomping the anthill or taking out the raid if it's in the city and it's cockroaches or whatever that's their that's their holocaust now certainly it's a whole different set of mm, perspectives and consequences you know we 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 package meat all the time we grow you know veal or do all kinds of things to animals we don't think much about it many of us but when it comes to human beings we have of course naturally a resonance because those beings are so much like us. And that's, of course, we have that, and it's appropriate, and it's important that we care about each other as human beings. But from the wider, bigger perspective of life just feeding on itself and continually changing, uh, we have a very anthropomorphic view, anthropocentric view of reality. So we aren't horrified by all the, the um, consequences and, and, and terrible um, things that happen when we ruin the environment and there's, you know, polar bears that are, that are suffering or all the other life forms that are suffering. So it's not to say, oh, that they count as much as humans if, if you're offended by that. But it's just to see us, our species, in a much bigger picture. And our planet, for that matter, in a much bigger universe. This is just this little speck this little dot that you can't even see, you know, if you go to the planetarium and you try to figure out where Earth is, unless they've got a light shining on it, you've got no idea where Earth is in all of that. I think it's pretty far-fetched to think that we are the only show in town, in the universe. But, there we are, this is the one that counts. This is the one that we care about, and it's beautiful that we do care. But to see it in a much larger perspective um, kind of takes away the outrage and the, and the, um, the confusion. How could this happen? Because bad things happen to good people all the time. No matter how good you, you are, nobody gets away without sadness or tragedy happening to them. Nobody. And some it happens in a much more dramatic fashion that you know, rocks us, and makes us say, why? But if you look a little closer, it's happening all the time like it happened to Harold Kushner his, as his three-year-old was diagnosed. Why? This isn't fair. 
why should a tsunami come and and cause a, a tragedy in Japan or Burma or um, in so many different places? Why does war happen? Why is it that everything and everyone near and dear to us will be separated from us? This is part of the curriculum here. What we do with it is a lot more important than trying to make sense of it. What we do with it, how do we relate to it? How can we deepen our compassion and our caring and our commitment to acting as kindly and wisely and caringly for our own sake as well as for the benefit of everyone around, how can we keep from closing and see, oh, where is my happiness going to lie? And usually if you take a good look, it lies in being aligned with values that don't create suffering as best we can and helping to relieve suffering wherever we can. But to go back in the past and say, not fair. This is some kind of bizarre mistake and if I were running the universe, I'd do a much better job is um, understandable but uh, completely um, unproductive. And so all we can do is grieve and care and open our hearts with compassion and get clear on, the way I see it anyway, being as conscious ambassadors for um, compassion and understanding as we can. And that's where the freedom lies not so much in figuring out the past, but in seeing that you are um, an expression of divinity. That life is working itself through you and in that freedom from seeing, I've got to figure this out but to just let yourself be used well, um, then, uh, then you're contributing in some meaningful way rather than um, getting caught or stuck in, uh, in the confusion. So what I, I'd like, we have a, f- a few minutes before we, um, before we go into, before we have a conversation, just like you for... Uh, a few moments to go inside and as you heard the news like this you know what your responses were and are and how you can somehow hold news like this with a Dharma perspective that allows you to open up to uh, to the senseless and keeps you from contracting in fear but incorporating it as part of your Dharma practice. to do
triads. Maybe it would be better if we uh, just explore as a community. And one thing I do want to say is coming together as community is probably one of the most important and healing things. This was uh, the Tibetan uh, family, uh, the, the Tibetan tulku. He said, it's especially important at this point for everyone to stop questioning and let go of the anger and sadness and to live in the spirit Chodin lived in her life. We have a lot of sympathy for all the victims and not just the victims. This man who killed also became a victim, but we need to make sure our minds are clear. We have a lot of sadness, a lot of anger, but we need to build our energy to make sure we have peace. So, um, any comments or questions, we can uh, open it up now. Thanks, Andrew. There's one word you used a couple of times, uh, senseless killing. Uh, I don't believe that anymore. Um, I've worked in in San Quentin eight Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Numerous classes where nearly all the guys in the class had murdered somebody. and I really felt I was going in as an equal. You thought you were... I, I, at, that I was meeting them as an equal. Mm-hmm. That, that, that in their anger and confusion, they had hurt somebody badly. Mm-hmm. Well, in anger and confusion, I have hurt people. Yeah. I know that. Um, and... There is a story. There is there is karma. There are you know actions have consequences, mm-hmm. and karma just means action, mm-hmm. and and things led to every situation, and the horrors of that man's mind mm-hmm. uh, moved me to. You know, I, I'm confident that, that that man has been living in immense suffering a long time to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, yeah, I did pull out the article about him. Um, last year, he lost two family members, his mother and his brother. His brother, U.S. Army Sergeant, Su Wan Ko died in March 2011 in an auto wreck in Virginia while on special forces training. And his mother died a year ago in, in Seoul where she moved after leaving Oakland. Um, so, and he had a string of judgments and liens against, uh, against him, an eviction notice, uh, where, and he owed $1,300 back rent at the time and he was um, uh, supposedly very distraught about his his finances, and also, as the, one of the uh, the people who worked there, one of his teachers said, he had a, a really hard time being around women, and it was mostly women in that uh, in that school, uh, and he had some major problem with that. So there's no doubt, as far as his particular unfolding. There's causes and conditions that, that led to that. Absolutely. Thank you. The senseless part of this to me is that as a society we don't see this happening in people that have those moments of where they lose it. And also that he could get a gun that had all those um, rounds on them. Mm-hmm. That, I, I just, that's the part that I just don't 
can't fathom. Yeah. As, uh, who was it, uh, the mayor of, uh, of Oakland said, uh, this isn't Oakland, this is America, where anybody can get a gun so easily. A gun, and with all these rounds. I mean, 30 rounds in one, I don't know the names of all the yeah. things for guns, but yeah. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, my half-brother is, I was recently diagnosed with um, schizophrenia, mm. and um, and I guess one thing that his, his situation has really made me aware is just how, um, how fragile our minds are, and how, um, yeah, how tenuous, you know, our reality can be, and how this kind of a psychological break can happen in a way that's completely out of our control, um, having seen his process and seeing him go from, you know, one person to a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that um, has really cast, uh, created a different perspective for me when looking, especially a lot of, you know, acts of violence or like this shooting. It's given me a different perspective about in terms of who's responsible or why does this happen, just that fragility of, of, of the mind and what a gift it is, you know, what, what we have, our, our perspective and our sense of groundedness and reality and just to, to be more, to be so grateful for, you know, what I have, but also to have such compassion for, I don't know, how tenuous that, that graph that, that is, I guess. It's hard to put into words. But. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, that's, that's so well put and uh, insightful. Just the mind can go anywhere. Anywhere. In a moment. And we all know what it's like to be temporarily out of our minds. You know, oh, I just lost my head for a while. What was I thinking when I said that or did that? We all can lose our head and sometimes there is a break from reality where we're living in a prison, self-created prison. And that understanding is, you know, evokes tremendous compassion. And that's where practicing what we're doing here, deepening our pathways to peace and to clarity and to kindness and compassion, uh, this is as radical and beneficial a gift that we can give to everyone in our lives as well as ourselves. But in one moment, it can change. Yeah. So, thank you. Why, nobody would do anything that would cause suffering unless they were in pain in their own, in their own mind. Yeah, I've heard a couple of radio reports where people talk about this kid who did the assault as as a loser and just the the venom that comes out when you hear people talk like that makes me think that's a picture of what he was living the prison he was, that makes me feel like that was the picture as it paints a picture of the life he was living mm-hmm. that he was a loser he was perceived as a loser people were down on him and there's no support for people like that it's it's a tough culture to live in I think I think we all have a little bit of reflection about how we behave to the outliers around us. And um, I feel for the kid. Yeah, thank you. And, and having that perspective, which I'm sure everybody here can relate to at times, oh, I'm a, you know, not enough, or I'm, I'm a loser, if you have that, that perspective, that is the, the complete... Um, imploding and reifying self. That's where it's, it's all about me and it's bad news. Whereas the more you can see it's not about me, this whole idea that life is happening to me, that I'm separate from, is just bound to lead 
to more suffering either inside or in our expression outside. And the more we can see through that self-delusion that says, I'm not enough, or I'm a loser, or whatever, to see, oh, there's a Buddha in here. I never realized it. How wonderful. Oh, it's just awareness looking at itself. How cool. I don't have to hold on to all of those identities. That's where the freedom is. Then there's no impetus or, mo- or motivation to somehow get back at others who don't think you're enough. Because you see, that's just an absurd construct in the mind. That's where freedom is, a, a natural expression of freedom is compassion, connection, and uh, not taking self to be real. So it's a good thing that we're doing here. Okay, it's, it's just about time to go. So let's, um, let's close with a short loving kindness. And uh, I, I really appreciate our exploring this way. And coming together in community is really uh, as important as, as anything else we can do to go through our difficulties. So maybe first just holding those seven people and their families and all the people who are affected in our hearts. Our heart goes out to you. May the memory of your loved ones um, live within you in uh, a beautiful expression of their goodness. May you be free of suffering, confusion, bitterness, and may you stay connected to all the love inside and wake up to your true nature. And then, to send this out to everyone, may all beings find peace and express their love well and awaken. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy and Peace. So, thank you for your attention. Have a good week.